Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church of Auburn, where we sit down with our pastor, Eric Zellner, and discuss how God's Word applies to our lives. And we're back. Hello, it's been a, it's been a, it's been about a month. I feel like it has. That's month. fine. That's all right. I I don't think anybody's been sitting on the edge of their seats waiting for our next podcast, but. I'm grateful to get to sit back yeah, down with you. Thank you, Michael. I'm really glad to be here. Um, um, so today we are going to just jump right into it. Um, uh, not necessarily carrying on from last time when we talked about Dominion, but uh, this week we wanted to talk about uh, the Bible, and specifically uh, who the Bible is. The first question we're going to ask is it's really just going to be talking about the Bible, um, God's Word, um, and multiple different things about it. But uh, the first question we want to ask is, who is the Bible written for or to? Yeah, I mean, the, the heart of it, where, where this podcast should be going is, who's the audience? And uh, Genesis opens with God uh, creating, and uh, and then everything, the rest of the Pentateuch is written uh, telling that Exodus generation, those who are saved out of bondage in, in Egypt, uh, to be God's people, and so the whole thing is written directly to God's people. And then repeatedly through the Old Testament, uh, the various portions of Scripture are written uh, thinking of God's uh, of God's people as a whole. So um, it's the covenant community of God's people. You come to the New Testament, and uh, Luke speaks about how he's done this, he's done research significantly for uh so that people would believe. John says the exact same thing. Matthew and Mark are writing for the same reason, that God's people would believe, um, and that believing they would have salvation in Jesus Christ. All of the New Testament letters are, are addressed to the saints. They're directly addressed to certain churches, um, but always in the New Testament, saints is not a higher-level category of, of Christian. A saint is somebody who... Um, who simply belongs to Christ, who trusts in Jesus as their Savior. Uh, and so in the Scriptures, they are always first and primarily directed to uh, God's people. So by way of quick ancillary comment on that, right? So when we're preaching or teaching from the Scriptures, um, it's useful for us to know that the Bible speaks about things uh, that may not be... Um, our things. It speaks about the world and the fall and uh, conditions that we will encounter. But uh, preaching and teaching needs to always be pointed to application for God's people, um, which I think is why we even need to have this this podcast. Um, because throughout throughout the centuries, there's been a been a tendency to to want to use the Bible uh, potentially as a club to hit to hit the world with over the head, the world who may not even know the scriptures um, or, or that kind of thing. So, yeah, does that help as a start? Absolutely. And, I mean, I think part of it, part of the second question I wanted to ask, um, uh, you kind of answered, but I also know that we wanted to read the first part of the Westminster Confession. Um, but the second question I wanted to ask is, uh, what is the purpose of God's Word, right? We talked about it being written to God's people, right, written to the saints. Um, I think that's very clear in the New Testament, obviously. Um, but what is the purpose of God's Word? And I think that the Westminster Confession, chapter 1, first paragraph, I think you're going to read that. Yeah, I mean, that's 
I think it's it helpful to begin with the fact the reason the Westminster Confession begins here with Holy Scripture is because um, that's where the source of everything that we will know about God comes. And so the chapter 1, 1 says, Although the light of nature and the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men unexcusable, and then it cites uh, Romans 2, and and I would also say it, it cites Romans 1 as well. Um, unexcusable, yet are they not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and of His will, which is necessary unto salvation. Meaning, you can't just from the light of nature understand Christ and salvation. Therefore it pleased the Lord at sundry times and in diverse manners to reveal Himself and to declare that His will unto His church, and afterwards for the better preserving and propagating of the truth, and for the more sure establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh, in the mouths of Satan and of the world, to commit the same holy unto, meaning holy completely, unto writing, uh, which makes the Holy Scriptures to be most necessary. Those former ways of God revealing His will unto His people being now ceased. And so the Confession says a, a, an awful lot in that beginning spot, but one of the things that we recognize is that there's a difference between general revelation and special revelation. And so while the creation does testify that there is a God uh, and that men are accountable to that God and that they were without excuse, uh, yet the confession is saying it is, not, it, w- it is not possible for man to find salvation in his fallen state uh, apart from God speaking in special revelation. And so um, it goes on to, to speak of the fact that this, this giving of his word is meant in order to, he's not only revealing himself, um, but in so doing, he is preserving and propagating truth. All right, so God's writing at, speaks his word, uh, sends it forth to the hand, through the hands of his servants who write, um, which we just talked about in Second Peter. Um, but in so doing, it is for the purpose of preserving and propagating truth and for the establishment and comfort of the church. It's massive, right? The whole thrust of the Bible is for, uh, is for the establishment and comfort of the church against the corruption of the flesh, which is internal, uh, the malice of Satan, the evil one, and also the world, its fallen world. Um, and so he committed this to writing, um, which makes the Holy Scriptures most necessary. Uh, because God no longer speaks in the ways that He spoke in the Old Testament, um, right? He comes, He comes to um, Adam in the garden uh, and finds him shivering in shame and says, "Adam, where are you?" And uh, He comes to Abraham and speaks to Abraham. Um, he comes uh, throughout the Old Testament, oftentimes in voice, uh, and now the way that God speaks to His people is through the written word. In the accompanying help of the Holy Spirit. So that's actually incredibly helpful because it also frames how we think about what we do with the scriptures. Yeah, and that that leads us into question three. Um which just simply put, and this is something that um I know I've been I've been thinking about recently and um I know my small group um has been talking about as well and um kind of this idea of should Christians expect non-Christians to behave like Christians? And, and really the question comes down to when we're talking specifically about the Bible, 
should we as Christians expect non-believers to follow biblical principles and standards? Yeah. Um, how about this? Since the Bible's written to, to God's people, to Christians, um, we, we can better anticipate how they are going to respond. And that is with, um, with a lack of, uh, of awareness of truth, though that truth is spoken. Um, the Bible teaches us that through our flesh, uh, mankind naturally hardens his heart. Um, and, and in a sense, um, shuts down his mind and his heart towards truth and, and what Romans calls suppressing the truth. Um, and so we can expect that, that the world is not going to be uh, hunting for the Bible. I hope I can find the Bible and figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. We should be really careful to realize as, as believers the world is not doing that. Um, and so it, it would be impossible for us as Christians to expect that unbelievers should behave in a manner that is only possible by virtue of special revelation and more importantly, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Um, that's actually the key, right? We, we recognize that the written word, uh, which is necessary for salvation, uh, only becomes effectual for salvation when God works faith in us um, and unites us to Christ. So uh, we have to recognize as Christians that we actually have eyes to see and ears to hear. But that was in itself a special work. Of God's Spirit. So when you when you look at the world, and you realize that the world doesn't see things through the lens um, that we see things through, we the world does not recognize. And I'm, when I'm speaking of the world, I'm simply speaking of the fallen world outside of Christ, uh, those who do not know the Lord. We should not expect that they should be on a um, a cultural improvement project. Moreover, we shouldn't expect that they would be on a moral improvement project. And if they did, they would find, you know, like Benjamin Franklin did, that I, you know, I work on this particular one, and then I find that I'm, I'm failing again at it the next day. Um, because I mean, the whole, the whole message of the New Testament, as it pertains to godliness, is that God reveals truth, um, and and draws us to Christ, converts us, um, and having worked that faith in us. Then he begins to teach us about sin and throwing off sin and living in manners that are godly and holy and faithful. Now, I think the reason this is important is we should not expect from the unregenerate uh, behavior that's only possible for those who are regenerate. Uh, and that doesn't mean we're pessimistic. Oh, goodness, uh, the world's going to hell in a hen basket or whatever. But I think we do, we do recognize. Um, that it it is my even my own uh acts of godliness they're not because I'm a pretty good dude right they're actually because God's spirit has been at work within me um which means then when I look at the world um God's going to do the condemning uh, the judging of the world. I can take the scriptures then as a Christian and I can just hold them up and use them by way of helping me know what's true and what's false, what's right and what's wrong. Um, the greatest thing, of course, that the scripture does is teach us about God, teach us about ourselves by way of our need, and then point us to Christ. And, and in so doing, 
we recognize that were an unbeliever to pick up the Bible and try to use it as a moral textbook for improvement, um, he would he or she would simply be doing what um, what our conscience tells us that that there is a right, there is a wrong, um, and yet in that self improvement, it would be somewhat hopeless. Yeah. I don't know if that I mean that's I don't mean that to be grim. I just think we need to be honest uh, as Christians, so that we're not going. Oh, you know, <laughs> can't believe. You know, I had a I had a friend in college who used to. He would jokingly say this, and I would not ever recommend that anybody should ever say this. <laughs> but he would jokingly say, "Oh, stupid pagans," or something like that, um, which is entirely insensitive and um, not warm, not kind. We shouldn't think of people like that. That's my point. We shouldn't go, oh, stupid pagans. Well, the fact is, I'm a stupid pagan, except that God reaches out and and transforms my heart. I didn't just, you know, come up with great wisdom and decide to reach out and grab hold of God. Everything about the Scripture says, in my fallen state, I could never have done that. And that's what's so beautiful about the Scriptures, is they, they show us everything like that. I was going to pull up, um, uh, I know... My wife and I have been trying to study a little bit of the Shorter Catechism. And, oh, and good. I mean, just question number three is, what do the Scriptures principally teach? The Scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. Um, so maybe that should have been our question at the beginning, but uh, it, it summarizes well, it, I think, very well. It does. It does. I mean, what man is to believe concerning God and what duties God requires of man. And that's you know that goes back to the issue of, of who God is, what that standard is, and then it's only by knowing the standard of his holiness that we recognize how fall, how quickly we fall short. Um, and then the confession so beautifully then leads to uh, the revealed will of God uh, and the need for Christ. That's good. That's good. Uh, anything no, else? I think that's it. I think we, I think okay. we did a good job with that one. Very good. All right. Thank you so much, well, Michael. Well, we will uh, see you all back next time. Thank you. <laughs>